worship you, O oh God, because you're worthy of all the praise, the glory, and the honor. We give you thanks again. In Jesus' name, your son, we pray. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is truly an honor to stand before you this morning. I am so grateful that God has given us this opportunity. And as I look around the room this morning, I see a bunch of determined folks. Amen. Come on, give yourself a hand. Hallelujah. 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 And because you've pressed your way out here, I know God has got something specifically for each one of you. Amen. I want to thank God uh, for you, Pastor Tim, once again for uh, just allowing God to use you as awesome as he has. Thank God for you and Miss Becky and your family. I'm deeply grateful. I just don't say this just to be saying this, but I thank God. I'm uh, grateful for men of God who not only preach the word, but live it. Amen. It is, it is something that oftentimes uh, you see, you turn on the TV and other places and you see people, but you don't really know the lives they're living. So for you uh, who are here, who know we've got a man of God and his family who really stand and live what he preaches, it's an awesome thing. And I thank God for him. Thank God for all of you, amen, that you've pressed your way out here uh, just to come on out in this, in this weather, amen. I was sitting back this morning and I don't know about you, but I began praying about this uh, way back. And it's surprising enough what I want to share with you this morning, what God has laid in my heart. It is something that he began preparing, uh, giving me nips and bits of it, uh, even long before I even heard the storm. And it just worked out so perfectly well uh, that it all lines up. And this morning, I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of faith versus fear. Amen? Faith versus fear. Like I said, it is something God has been laying on my heart now, I said probably in the last month and a half to two months, about this whole idea about fear in his people. And I wanted to let you know that fear is something real. Amen? Fear is something real. And it's been used by the enemy to really attack God's people. And I want to show you this morning the life that God has called us to live. It's not a life that says we will not encounter fear from time to time. But it's a life that must be lived without being dictated by fear. Amen? And you might be wondering why. I'm going to show you why. As this storm approached, and I know, listen, folks, if you don't believe there were people of God praying, <laughs> you, Pastor highlighted it. Look, this could have been a whole lot worse. And I believe it was the devil's intention for it to be a whole lot worse. But I think God's people all over stood up and acted like God's people. Amen? Come on. I'm going to tell you all right now, in our house, we begin now, I, I, I got my generator out and everything, I prepped and prepared. But you know, as we begin to set, 
My house, I have no neighbors on either side. I've got, my house sits right there and I've got a bunch of uh, 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 pine trees on both sides. I've got oaks, all kind of stuff back there. You know, and you know, I think my wife mentioned, we, we, we'd talk about the wind and the rain. We're like, let's park all the cars right in the middle. That way they're far away from trees on both sides. And right then and there, I think the Holy Spirit began to speak to all of us. And you know what I did? I spoke to the trees, every last one of them. Here is how the conversation went. I said, in the name of Jesus, every single tree around my property, you will not fall. There will be no damages occurring in my house, not a single scratch, not a damage. You will stand your ground. That's the conversation I had. And you know something? Not a single tree fell. In fact, I had a chance to share with some of the folks. I don't know if you all remember, about three weeks ago, we had some heavy lightning and stuff. I went outside to go to work, and I want to tell you how the angel of God worked. And there was a branch, probably about 20 feet, fell off a pine. And it fell. Now, of all days, I parked my car, some in the driveway, and sometimes I park it on the grass. But this particular day, the sun was hot. So I parked it extra all up under the trees. You know what I'm talking Trying to get that shade? And I kid you not, I woke up to go to work that morning, and that big limb fell out the tree, and it fell about three to four inches from my car, stuck in the ground from the air. I couldn't even open the door. Never touched the car. And right then the Spirit of God began to tell me, he says, look, I'm serious about my children's protection. I am serious about honoring my word to you. See, oftentimes we, we don't know how serious God is about being committed to his word. He says, my word have I exalted above my very name. Now, I preached several messages about how powerful the name of Jesus is, how powerful the name of God is. You remember? And God says, of all the things you've learned about how powerful my name is, he said, there's one thing I've put above my own name, and that is the words that come out of me. Amen? Amen. And I want to show you this morning, because, listen, the enemy understands that. He knows God. He knew God long before we were around. He knew. He knew what happened to him, how he got kicked out. He knew the King of kings and God of gods and Lord of lords. The problem is he fights us so that we don't know him. His plan is to stop us from realizing who God is and who we are. Now, fear versus faith. I want to read you this definition. Now, in the Bible, when fear is mentioned, it normally has two meanings. One having to do with reverence. Solomon spoke a lot about it. He said, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. That we are to fear God. Jesus himself taught. He says, don't fear those who are able to kill the body and only that. He said, but fear him who's not only after the body is dead, but he's able to cast you into the lake. So there is a reverence that we should have and must have for God. Now, I'm not talking about that fear this morning. Here's the one I'm talking about. Fear. A feeling induced by perceived danger or threat that occurs in certain types of organisms. 
which cause a change in metabolic and organic functions and ultimately a change in behavior, such as fleeing, hiding, or freezing from traumatic events. That last part I need to read for you again. It causes a change in the organ's functions and ultimately a change in behavior, such as fleeing, hiding, or freezing from potential traumatic or traumatic events. There have been scientific research done. I, I told you, I, I love information. And do you know, as human beings, we are born with two fears? Two fears. Two. They've discovered that from infants. One is the fear of falling, and two, the fear of loud noises. Two fears we come into this world with. So scientists have discovered. And I could see why probably God put those in there. You know, you fall from high places, you die. You know, <laughs> we live in a body, right? But if you look right now, if you were to pick up your phone and just to Google fears, and from the word fear, the original Hebrew word and Greek word, we have the word phobia derived from it. Now, there's all kinds of phobias. Fear of spiders, fear of, uh, of, of insects, fear of the dark, fear of, of public speaking, uh, fear of all kinds of fears. Fears of not being loved, fear of, of not this, fear of not... All the other fears are things that as you live your life, in your psyche, you've been trained to be afraid of them. Remember, you weren't born with them, but time and circumstances has taught you to fear these things. Now, as Christians, we have got to retrain ourselves. Now, you're sitting there thinking, what in the world? I'm going to prove to you from God's word that we are supposed to live our lives not being subject to fear. Why? Here's something as I begin studying. I begin, this definition came to me, actually I was in the gym, and the Spirit of God began to speak to me. He said, you know what fear does? Here I want you to tell the people how I see fear, what fear does to you and I. Fear opens the door to the enemy because it disacknowledges God's ability to perform his word. And it also disacknowledges who you are, who I am in Christ. Fear disacknowledges God's ability to perform his word, and it also disacknowledges who you are in Christ. Amen? Now, I want us to start off with Genesis chapter 3. Verses 9 and 10. The first mention of fear and being afraid in the Bible. And the Lord God called out to Adam. This was after Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the fruit. And said unto him, where art thou? Let's read on. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Now prior to that, 
God had created. From this, we could see that prior to this, God and man, God and Adam and Eve had beautiful fellowship together. Never mentioned being afraid. Now here it is. He said, I heard thy voice and I was afraid because I was naked. And remember the definition I gave. What did he do? He hid himself. So we see here the introduction of sin caused Adam and Eve to be afraid of the embarrassment of God seeing them naked. That's why if you read on, the very next question God says, wait, wait a second, who told you you were naked? Amen? So we see there the introduction of this fear, not the reverence, but fear, terror, let me hide, that says, I need to run and hide. Okay? If you read throughout the entire Bible in the Old Testament, from that initial point of fear, you will see many, 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 many more instances of people fearing. Fear. And with this subsequently comes the other definition or the other things we talked about. Fleeing, hiding. In the burning bush when God showed up to Moses, Moses was ready to run and hide. Like, well, wait a second. And then when God told him, here's what I want you to do. Listen to all the excuses. He told God, I, I can't speak. And instead of God saying, you know what, I can trade you, he said, wait a second, who made your mouth? Who, gave, who, who made you? And God, we see here over and over and over again, God having to reaffirm who man is and who he is. From the beginning, he says, I want you to have dominion over the earth. Now, here's something that is so very powerful. Do you notice when God created man, he never said anything about what he was going to do. He never said, I'm going to be the great God. He says, look, when the, the Godhead, he said, let us make them and let them, make, let them have dominion. Everything from the creation was about God pouring himself. Now, here's something, and I don't, I don't know how this fits in, but I was studying night before last. This whole thing about being created in the image and the likeness of God. Image and likeness, image. If you look throughout the Bible, that theme kept on occurring. So I pulled up my phone and I looked up, you know, in my phone, in my Bible app, how many times did God tell them? And it was so many times, that specific part, he kept saying, do not make any graven image or likeness. Now, think about this. No other animal, nothing else was created in the image and likeness of God. Except mankind. We are it. God says, don't you understand that you are replicas of me here on earth? And he said, that is why it is so uh, for me to see you turn around and try. You got to understand this. When you try to make an idol something to worship, God says, don't you understand the only other thing that will be close to me is you? The only thing on this earth that comes with the kind of power I have is you? And when you turn around and say, now I need to make something else to worship, God says that is the second commandment. The first one he says, love me. You should have no other God beside me. And right around the second one he says, do not make 
any graven image, nothing else. But we see mankind over and over and over again deny who God has created them to be in search of graven images. God says, he scolded them, he said, these things, they have eyes, they don't see, they have hands, they can't do anything. And clearly throughout the Bible, whenever he approached one of them, he completely messed everything up. When the Ark of the Covenant was stolen and they put it in Dagon's temple, what happened? They came the next day and the idol was laying flat in his face. They went and stood it back up. The next day God was like, oh, that's how you want to play? He slapped it down, but this time tore the arms off, tore the head off. God was showing from the get-go, look, you're it, don't you understand? I have made you it, tag, you're it on this earth. And we have got to get that inside of us. Listen, I told you this a while back and I'm going to keep making this statement over and over. When you get this thing about who you are in Christ, when it goes from here to here, nothing will ever take that from you. Not the devil and all of hell, he will not be able. And that is what we've got to do. David says, thy word have I hid where? In my heart. Not just only about sin against God, but in understanding who you are in Christ. Now, let us look at what this means. I, I think of the people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are several people that really understood this. Abraham started off, and, and when, when, when this really sunk in, it was great. You know somebody else that we don't hear a lot of? Noah, I was reading, and do you know when God destroyed the whole earth by, the whole world by water? And Noah and his sons came out of the ark, he said the exact same thing he told Adam and Eve. Read it in your Bible. He says, now I kill everybody off, we starting fresh again. First thing after they got out of the ark, the very first thing he told them was the thing he told Adam and Eve. I want you now to replenish the earth, subdue it. And he said, the fear of you is now going to be on everything on this earth. Very first thing he needed to reiterate to man who you are. I've not put you here to be running and hiding from anything on this earth. You are the one everything's supposed to be hiding from, including the devil. And we've got to get that inside of us. So now, I want you to watch this. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. We say this all the time. The Lord is, the light, is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Remember that other verse? Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. So now, it's established we are not supposed to live in fear. Amen? You know, uh, last night, the night before last, when the wind were coming in at gusts, every time my wife and I and the kids were sitting there, whether it's eating or playing a game or watching TV, and you'd hear, and you want to just panic, oh, Lord. 
the Holy Spirit kept saying, I didn't put you here to fear. And he kept reminding me, you've already spoken to all the trees, right? Amen. Amen. In case you're wondering if we have the power to do that, when Christ spoke to the fig, the fig tree, the Bible says, and he answered the tree. Find it in your Bible. In case you hadn't realized it, Jesus wasn't crazy. You don't answer something that don't speak back. That's another message I'm working on. Before he said, he answered the tree. That means before Christ got there, that tree said something. And Jesus had to show it who was born. Not only that, after he spoke to it, it didn't die immediately. Well, on the outwardly, you didn't see that. But he just left it alone. He spoke and left it alone. When they came back days later, guess what? Everything he said was so. Mark eleven twenty three. Whatsoever things you desire, or, or 11, 11, 23, if you shall speak, whosoever shall speak unto this mountain, and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever he said. Now, I think a lot of people read that and think, well, he ain't talking quite about a mountain. Look, I, I don't need any mountains, literal mountains move. I don't need it. the smoky mountains shifted. But you know what? If I were in a situation where I needed that, I believe they would have to move for me. Do you understand? Until you get to that level of faith that you are, look, Jesus and God, God says, well, Jesus teaches them, he says, look at all the flowers and the lilies on the field, how beautiful they are. He said, I take care of all of that. And don't you know that you are more important to me than all of that? Amen. <laughs> you think these were just mere words? You think he was just having an eloquent speech? No! Christ meant every single word he said. Amen. And for you to move, you've got to begin to take God's word as gold. I don't know. Pastor, it, this last year of my life, it's like there's a fight going on inside of me. The fight to begin to take God's word and to not let go of it. I am beginning to fight everything, even in casual conversations. I will not allow myself to doubt who God says I am. Whether it's the storm, whether it's sickness, I do not care. And I know that is what God has got for all. I told you guys before when the flu epidemic broke out way back and I spoke, I said, not a single person in my house, it will not come near my house. Not only that, but I spoke to it. I said, no more, no more flu. Flu, you are no longer permitted to attack my body. You understand? Yes. Cold sickness, I told you, you are no you may attack, but you will not succeed. Why? I hereby prohibit you from succeeding in my body. And I just don't sung this, this because I believe with all my heart that is God's will for me. And that is God's will for every single one of you. Now, here's the catcher. I could have but so much faith for you, but you've got to have faith for yourself. You've got to, God has put all this stuff on the table of life. You've got to lay hold and say, God, come hell or high water, I will not let go of your word. You said it, God. He says, prove me. In tithes and offering, he says, prove me. He says, prove me. He says, my word have I exalted above my name. I want you to remind me of what I said. Not that I forgot, but I need you to remember. Hallelujah. Now, 
So we see there what happened. Now, I want to show you about fear. A few months and months, I heard, I think, Dr. Uh, Bill Winston mentioned something that was just phenomenal. And it started me thinking about all of this. Job chapter 3, let's read verse 25 and 26. Now, as that's coming up, remember what God said about Job at the beginning, right? He says, he told the devil, he says, you considered my servant Job, there's no one like him. He says, he fears me, the respect part, not the tariff part. And he says, he escheweth evil. He pushes away. He wants to be righteous, right? All of that happened. Satan came. God told him, you know what? I know what's going on, but you could attack him. But just don't kill him. So he went and did all this kind of stuff. Came back the second time. God says, have you considered him? He says, you've caused me. You want me to, to, to destroy him without cause. He's still standing. So, all right, you could touch his body. Just don't kill him. So when he went with all the plagues and the boils and all of this. But here's something that we've overlooked. Watch this. This is Job speaking. He says, for the thing which I greatly feared... It's come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I want, I want this to sink in. Remember all the good things now. It wasn't that Job was evil because God spoke to the devil. He said, this, this man loved me. He respects me. But then right there, here's a part of the scripture that many people overlook. So now, Verse 1, is that uh, 26, I'm sorry. I was not in safety. He says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. So from there, he says, I wasn't quiet about this. So obviously, even though Job loved God, even though he respected and feared God, he was talking a lot. What was he talking a lot about? I'm going to show you. Jump back to verse, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. I want you all to watch this to see how powerful this thing. This is talking about Job. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Next verse. And it was so... When the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Watch this. For Job did what? For Job did what? For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Even worse, watch the last part. What did it say? This man that was very righteous continually verbalized his fear. Not only did he verbalize it every single day or continually, but he offered sacrifice to God based on his fear. 
Not saying, God, I'm, I'm sacrificing unto you because I love you so much. No. I'm going to sacrifice because, God, I'm afraid my kids are messing up. I am terrified. Guess what? Guess who was also listening on the side? Every single day. So you wonder how the devil knows exactly how to attack. Yeah. Why don't we attack his family and house and tear everything down? Why? Because he's afraid of it. Folks, I'm not saying you're not going to be afraid, but you have got to stop giving your fear hands and feet. Amen. You have got to tell yourself, look, I may be afraid now, but I will not let this thing have the best of me. Yes, I know everybody has got the fever in the office. I know this is happening. I know we've got a category 1000 storm coming down, but I will not allow this to take control. I am the son of God, the apple of his eye. He says he will move heaven and earth for me and I will speak to it. This is something you've got to allow in your life. Every single situation, you go to work tomorrow and you hear, oh, did you hear the news? They're laying off. Instead of panicking with everybody else and start to verbalize those fears, well, you know what? If I get laid off, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I've got, you know, I've got the kids to feed and I, 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 I just don't know. I've been working with this company now 15 years. Where else could I go and find a job? I, and we verbalize, and we verbalize, and we verbalize. And Christ says, whatsoever things you saith. And then you get the pink slip, and you wonder, oh, my God, hello. God says, I've given you the authority. You want me not to intervene? I never said anything about me. I've given you the authority. You understand what I'm saying here, folks? Stop verbalizing your fear. If you got a fear, talk to God about it. Speak in tongues. That's another message I'm coming to, folks. I'm telling you, I've learned now. I, I'm beginning as I ride to work, as I ride home from work, as I'm laying, as I'm eating, as I'm, I am constantly speaking in tongues. And I don't have to walk around world. Hallelujah. No, I'm not talking about that. When I have my quiet and my private time, yeah, I speak out. When I'm in public, I take it right here and I begin to speak in tongues. Why? Because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, you speak in mysteries. He said the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're in need of, and he grabs those words, and he put the word, your word, to work for you. So we stop verbalizing our fears. Now, 1 Samuel 17, 11 to 24. Give you one last scenario. David and Goliath, right, saw the whole situation. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, and the backdrop to this, we know this was Goliath. He'd visited the camp. It wasn't one day, folks. The Bible said this went on for more than 30 days, where Goliath would wake up in the morning, and he says, look, the first initial confrontation, he said, why do we need to all fight and kill each other? You bring your best man, I'll bring my best man, and we get this done, and you know, everybody goes home happy. You serve me if I, if, if, if I win, I serve you if, if you win. Nobody showed up, then he started day after day, and it got really ugly. The Bible says 
he spoke to the children of Israel like they were dogs. You only got nobody that could fight me? <laughs> you were the children of who? This great God that brought you all out of Egypt and all this kind of stuff, and you can't find one person to fight me? Come on. Put up or shut up. If not, y'all just come on and pack up your servant goods and come, let's get this done. So, they all the words, and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, let's read on. Now, David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the men went among the men of, of an old man in those days of Saul. Okay, let's just read on. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to battle. Well, I don't need all of that part. I just wanted to stop at that. Let's jump down to verse 24. We see there where they were so afraid. Greatly, right? The Bible says they were what? Greatly afraid. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from before him and were so afraid. Remember the definition, right? What it causes you to do? Hide, flee, run. All right. <laughs> Same verse 17, let's jump down to verse 26 now. I want you all to see the major difference, the stuff that oftentimes we read the word of God, but we don't, it don't really click. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? First part. Everybody is afraid of this guy. David shows up on the scene, and the first thing he asks, What's my reward for taking care of that joker? Unorthodox, right? That is the kind of mentality and how we're supposed to act out there in the world, folks. When everybody is sitting around talking, oh my goodness, you and you and you are supposed to show up and not blending with the fear crowd, but says, what's the problem? Here's how we, what needs to do to fix this joker right here? Amen? You've got to have violent faith. It is time out for this kind of patty cake, patty cake kind of faith. That time is gone, folks. It is gone. We live in a day and age where the devil does not, you know something? I remember in the day when I used to be youth leader, I used to tell the young people all the time, when it comes to sin, you have to remember what the Bible says about the devil. The thief comes not but. That means every time he shows up, he wants to do one of three things, steal, kill, or destroy you. I don't care how cute the person is, if they tell you to do something that's not God's will, his plan is to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. I don't care how, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house. If they're not from God, they want to steal, kill, and destroy you. Amen. That is the way you've got to approach the fear that the enemy is trying to put on you. So we see there David shows up. First thing he wants to know, what's my reward? Second thing, he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. Who is this no teeth, no backbone rascal that's talking against God like this? So you see the difference? One group over here cowering with fear and the other person standing up for what is going on. 
Fear and faith are in direct opposition to each other, and they are continually working to cancel each other out. If you're living in fear, you are not living in faith. Amen. You know, I was talking to someone, and you know, oftentimes you have to watch for things. You know, sometimes, for instance, in this storm, yeah, it's good to prepare. You got to do your preparation. But I was telling someone, look, I've come to a point in my life, and I'm not just saying this to be saying this, where I've got to see God be who he says he is. I have got to stop hindering God from moving in my life. And I told him, I said, it's not that I want to be all, you know, uh, nonchalant about important things. Yeah, I understand there's certain things you have to do, but I do not ever want to have my life so planned out that I cut all room out for God to be God. Here's something that someone said. I heard it. such a powerful statement. If you can do it all by yourself, you don't need faith for that. Things that you're trusting God right now in your life to see happen. If you can do it without God, you don't need faith for it. God is calling you to do things that the mere thought of you doing it is going to sound impossible. When those kind of thoughts begin to burp inside of you, you know it's a God moment. When God calls you and you ride by a lot and he shows you something and says, you know what, I want you to do such that. You're like, oh my God, I can never be... I, I can't do that. That's a God moment. Because that is when faith meets who you and I are and it becomes a reality. Stop planning your life so carefully that you leave no room for faith in God. None whatsoever. Oh God, I feel such and such. I got to do A, B, C, and D. God, I know what you've called me to do. I know what you, I know what I feel in my, in my spirit. And this goes all across the, folks, stop, there's no limit. No limit. I'm talking if you've lived all your life in a trail and God says, all of a sudden you feel, you know something, I want to bless you with that four bedroom house. And you say, but, but God, my, my mom lived in a one bedroom. Her mom, I, 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 I can't even think about affording something like that. Yeah, you can't. But guess what? I can't. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to do it in your life. Now, last thing, and we're going to close. Proverbs 3, 24 and 25. Last verse I'm going to put up there. When thou liest down, you know, in our family devotion, when was that? When was that, baby? The night before last? We had sitting down, I think it was storming outside, and we had our family devotion. Talk about God. When thou liest down, Thou shalt not be afraid. <laughs> yeah, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be what? You believe when I went to sleep the last couple of nights, my sleep was sweet? It was very sweet. Wind blowing in all trees, crackling in the hair. Sweet, good sleep. Why? Because that's the word of God. Amen. The Bible says, even though the water, what was that scripture? I think it goes something like the watchman labored in vain. I have to remember it. It'll come back to me as I'm preaching. But the gist of it is like you could put all these elaborate things up. You could have five generators. You could have house boarded up and all that. But you know something? In spite of all of that, 
you could get God like they said. I, I've often thought about that. Got the gun, I'm like, you know, if I got to go to work early, maybe I need to teach my wife how to shoot and maybe get, you know. The Holy Spirit began to tell me, yeah, you could do all that, but you know what? You could have 15 guns. You could have 12 dogs in the yard. If somebody wants to come in and get you, you're going to get God. I need you all to think about this. He says, ultimately, I am your protector. Amen? I am your protector. The scripture, you can write this one down. 2 Timothy 1, 4. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I, I quoted this one before in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little ones. Don't you know it's your father good pleasure to give you the kingdom? I'm going to tell you this story and we're going to close. Several years ago, I think it was in South America, there were these rebel forces going through the jungles, small churches, missionaries that set up, and they were going through killing folks. They would roll up on a church and wipe out the entire congregation. I mean, hack them to death. Kill folks. Not, we can tie up, no, kill them, wiping, going through just targeting churches. And there was a little pastor, a little lady, and they heard what was going on and churches all over were scattering and said, we need to shut down, like so many churches did this morning. That's another subject. When I got that call from pastor, I was like, yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We can let some rain stop us from coming together. I ain't fussing at y'all. You know, we are here, right? right? But these folks were going around killing folks. And this little small church got together. And you know what? They came to that pivotal moment where you could yield to fear, flight, hide, run. And they said, you know something? Nah, enough is enough. God, your word says you will give your angels charge over us. That's right. And they began a prayer meeting in that little church in the jungle, just Begin to call on God like never before. God, we need, you got to be our protection. Amen. We can't do this. It was several days passed by. We never stopped. Never got attacked. But word came out that they found these rebels that were going around killing church folks. They arrested them, put them in jail. And one, the leader of the rebel, he says, there's one church. I just want to talk to the pastor of that church. Little lady came up to see him, she, and he's, he was like, we just want to know, who are those dudes you hired to stand all around the church? He says, we came out the jungles with machetes and guns ready to roll up on your church. And he says, there were guys 20 feet tall all around just standing there, like, bring it on. They said they dropped their knives, their guns, and boom! God dispatched angels all around that place. Amen? And guess what? Your angels, they are waiting, chomping at the bits for your faith level to begin to come up to put them to work. Waiting, waiting, just waiting. Oh, come on. Please have faith in God. Put me to work. Another missionary went to India where they have over a million gods, worship everything. He got to this one village and they were worshiping water. They'd throw the waters up 
in the sunlight, and as the sprinkles come out, they worship the sprinkles. Oh, it's sparkling hollow. He rolled up in there like, what is this foolishness? They didn't want to hear nothing about God. And God began to, God says, you need to prove that I'm the true God. And the Spirit of God came into him and he called everybody in the village. He said, that's foolishness you all doing, worshiping water sparkles. He said, I'm going to show you the real God. The real God, when I thought this water up, he's going to stop it. He grabbed a handful of water out of this pure faith in God and said, God, you've got to do it. He tossed it up in the air. Looked at them and the water just stood right there. Never just stood right in mid-air. And he says, I come bringing the true God that does this right here. The entire village was saved. The entire village was saved. Put your fears to rest, folks. Stop being a puppet of fear. If you're going to verbalize something, verbalize the word of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. We're not no cuckoo crazy folks. We know what we're talking about. We serve the living God. Father, stand with me.